Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Kayla Nalvin. She serves as the Director of Content Experience for TED at Work at TED. Kayla oversees content strategy and content creation for TED at Work. Prior to joining TED, she worked on the content team at Sesame Street, developing topic-specific multimedia initiatives targeted to parents and preschool providers. Kayla holds a BA from UC Berkeley and a master's degree in cognitive science and education from Teachers College at Columbia University. Learn more about TED at Work at tedatwork.ted.com. Kayla, thanks so much for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? I'm good, Brian. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so fascinated by TED at Work. But before we get into that, you've had an interesting path that led you to TED. Share with us how you became interested in the ed media space, if you would. Oh, my. Yeah. So I actually started out in museum education. I always knew I was interested in education, but really saw myself um, on the informal ed side. So started there and uh, worked with media in my first role in education, museum education space, and really thought to myself, you know what? I really like this. And I had a hunch that I would find my people in that space. So I kind of zeroed in on who the best educational media brands were at the time. And I kind of shortlisted (laughs) some names and um, I was lucky enough to land roles at both of, I should say two of the four organizations that I shortlisted at the time, Sesame and then, and then Ted. So I was given a a shot at Sesame to join the uh, content team focused on U S social impact topics and learned everything I know about content pretty much from that team and then was lucky enough to move over to TED and eventually start the TED at Work program. So I really think, you know, I'm an ed media person through and through. And again, lucky enough to find my people uh, there who nerded out about the same topics. (laughs) You've been at TED now for about five years. How has the corporate learning and development space evolved during your time? It has evolved at a breathtaking speed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about being on calls with learning and development professionals five years ago and what we were talking about then and what we're talking about now. I mean, we're, you know, now the landscape has totally changed. Obviously there are like so many more providers in this space, more uh, from a platform perspective and a content perspective. And what organizations are focused on is different now. I mean, obviously with COVID, so much of the learning strategy became virtual. So that lent it itself to a lot of changes in terms of the types of requests we were receiving, the topics and skills people were focused on, wanting to focus on, you know, adaptability, innovation, change management topics, uh, DE&I, belonging, but also the modalities that people are requesting. And this is where I get really excited. I mean, thinking back five years ago, we weren't talking about informal social peer-to-peer learning. We were really talking about mostly formal, more top-down styles of learning. And where I get super excited is what is the opportunity to really democratize and scale learning 
throughout the organization following suit with where really the trends are moving and what's required to engage people at scale, right? So it's not just focused on L&D trying to share share information from the top down, but it's engaging individual contributors and most importantly, managers as partners in making learning happen and making learning exciting and relevant to the adult learner, which we all know is so key in in, uh, driving learning outcomes. So anyway, long-winded answer. There was a lot to say because a lot has changed. (laughs) (laughs) TED Talks has been watched by billions of people around the world, but TED at Work is relatively new. What is TED at Work for people who don't know and why was it created? So I was in a position of being able to be, you know, I was contacted by quite literally hundreds over a multiple year period of learning and development professionals where I had the chance to meet in the, you know, in my day to day these professionals who were reaching out to us because they wanted to use TED in their um, L&D and talent development mm-hmm. programs. And so I saw a clear kind of green pasture opportunity for us because we knew that TED Talks were powerful tools for learning on their own, right? If I can just nerd out for a second, Brian, on the Yes, line, absolutely. Please. Okay. Because I, <laughs> I know the people listening will appreciate. I mean, think about TED Talks on their own, right? So in order to engage an adult learner, you need to be able to keep their attention. Right. And so we know that TED Talks do that. We also know that it's best to focus on one idea or one skill, one topic. Mm-hmm. TED, each TED Talk has one powerful idea at its core. To help drive learning outcomes, you need to help a learner assign personal meaning to what they're hearing or or watching and through highly relatable and incredibly human stories that are usually offered through TED Talks, through powerful data and facts that speakers use to explain why people should care. We were already kind of over-indexing on on that aspect. And so people were already watching TED to be inspired and to gain knowledge. And that's why we we were receiving so many requests. But what we weren't doing And what I thought and my colleagues thought that we could do better was help learners understand how they could actually take the TED idea at the core and apply it to their work Mm. to upskill themselves, to, to learn something, to acquire the knowledge and skills and attitudes that they needed to succeed. And so we developed a new four step learning framework that, uh, helps, move learners beyond passive video watching to a more active, constructive, interactive learning posture, so to speak, where they're actually moving through a reflection step, an experimental five-minute try-now step. They're imagining how they can change the way they work, inspired by by the idea, which is the imagine and act step building in some deliberate practice along the way. And then they actually have an opportunity to, to discuss that idea as a team. We know small group uh, discussion-based learning is an incredibly powerful tool. And what I get so excited about, uh, you know, being in this newly virtual world is the opportunity to use discussion-based team learning to, as I said, scale, democratize who's uh, leading, you know, uh, learning oriented conversations to help build culture, even in a hybrid work environment, right? Where we're, we may actually be feeling more disconnected than ever before. So a big focus of the program is how are we enabling 
individuals across the organization, especially managers, with the tools they need to lead small group team discussions, which I'm really excited about. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Some of the things that I love about the TED Talks are, like you said, the storytelling, the examples, uh, the solutions that are offered. They're really memorable talks. Uh, The other thing, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the average TED Talk between 6 and 18 minutes? Is that right? Yes, exactly. So they're easy to consume. You're not sitting down for an hour. You know, I, I joke with people these days. I think we all have a little bit of ADD where we can't watch something for an hour or two hours, but six to 18 minutes, that's easy for most people to consume. They're going to remember the stories, the data, the examples, and the solutions that are shared. How do you select speakers for TED? Because I think there's a little bit of a a misnomer out there about uh, who some of the speakers are and how they're selected, but aren't they kind of everyday people? I'm so glad you asked, Brian, because this is actually one of the biggest misconceptions around TED is that we choose speakers based off of their celebrity. And it's it's definitely not the case. Actually, the way we think about speaker selection is who has a fresh idea and the credibility to spread that idea. And so what I like to say is, and what we say at TED is instead of the speaker being the star of the talk, their idea is the star of the talk. Mm. And, you know, uh, some TED TED speakers are, are, are nominated. Some TED speakers come through uh, actually TEDx events that are happening around the world. And their talks were first delivered on the TEDx stage and then get selected for TED.com. So we're, you know, quite literally looking for ideas that can come from anywhere because that's a part of the TED approach that good ideas can come from anywhere and actually enabling people with the tools that they need to help deliver that idea in a way that will land with their audience part of our mission. So we have speaker coaches who work with speakers to get them to that point. I think that's great that you have speaker coaches. Typically, how long does someone prepare for a TED talk? Is it a month? Is it six months? Where does it fall? So another misconception around around the TED brand is that speakers are kind of just all amazing public speakers and kind of woke up one day, walked on stage <laughs> and they were they kind of like what you what you saw or what you see is the way it was delivered on on stage. But we're all human and sometimes there's, you know, content left on the editing floor and speakers actually prepare for in some cases up to 6 months for their their talks working with our speaker coaches to really refine their idea. It can be tempting for all of us, right? It's actually much harder to be succinct, which I'm probably proving so far in this interview. Oh, stop. <laughs> Come on now. You're doing great. 
it's much harder to be succinct than to, you know, to kind of say everything you want to say. And so our speaker coaches help speakers refine, crystallize their idea in a what we call a condensed through line that runs through the talk. It almost becomes like a cord that runs through the talk that helps really keep them on track and helps act as like a filtering function to keep the most essential information in the talk and helps them kind of, you know, uh, make decisions about what's non-essential so that we're keeping viewers and potentially learners focused on the key ideas and arriving at the, the, the speaker's main, main point. So, you know, that was a long-winded way of saying there's a lot that goes into it and a lot of thought is put into that process to get the idea down to something that's really digestible. I like the through line. I think that's a great idea. And I think it is really important for speakers to have a through line that ties everything that they're speaking about, whether it's the stories, the data, the examples, or the solutions into one common theme. It's a great place to start for all of us. And I like to say, like, even if you're not someone who plans to give a TED Talk, if you are a salesperson and you're making a pitch, if you're an L&D professional and you're making a pitch to a C-level person about why, you know, they should invest in learning, if you're giving a wedding speech in your personal life, right? Like it can be tempting to fit in a lot of information and we might ask ourselves like, where, how do we decide what to keep in and what to leave out in the allotted time you have? Identifying a through line, which is a 15 word or less statement that becomes the key takeaway that people will walk away with is a great place to start. It's not easy to do. And this statement may not actually end up in your talk or pitch or speech. It's think of it as the crystallized, big, curious, exciting idea that you want to gift people with. And Brian, that's another metaphor that we use at TED is, is thinking about the idea as a gift hmm. that you're giving to your audience. And so a great way to test out whether your, your through line really feels like a gift and not an ask and not what really feels like an overt pitch is to share it with a, a, a feedback buddy. Um, you know, get a couple of honest colleagues together and say, here, this is my through line for my pitch or talk or speech. What do you think? Would you want to listen to this talk if all I told you was this one 15-word sentence? That's a great litmus test to know if you're on the right track. No, that's good. I I think a lot of people struggle with being concise or succinct. And if you can drill it down to that 15-word sentence and would you want to hear that idea or receive that gift, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for people. How are organizations using TED at work today? I know you've touched on it a little bit, but do you have any like specific examples that you can give us from companies that you've worked with and how they're using TED at work today? Great question. So TED at Work is a program and it includes TED ideas that have been enriched with this new learning framework to help develop skills, to help help learners acquire knowledge, uh, take on new attitudes, et cetera. And so the first thing we do when we talk to a, a prospective client is we want to understand what their learning uh, needs are, what their goals are, and how mm-hmm. they could 
imagine TEDx work supporting those. Ultimately, business as learning goals connect should connect to business goals, right? So we want right. to understand: Are we trying to drive innovation? Are we trying to create a more inclusive workplace? Are we trying to, which is a big one I'm hearing a lot of right now, advance or improve our customer experience, mm-hmm. right? So it's like improving customer our customer experience as a company might be the business objective. But what do we need to upskill people on in order to get there? So that's how the learning strategy can support. And so does that mean improving, uh, you know, focusing on listening skills? Does that mean focusing on problem solving, empathy on the product development or user experience side, understanding context? So we're really helping organizations kind of break down their learning needs into a set of actionable skills and topics that we can support through TED ideas. And in a lot of cases, learning teams already have an idea of the skills and topics that they want to focus on. And so we help do that alignment for them. And we help through, you know, post-sale implementation and launch preparation process, get organizations to the point where they really uh, have a plan in place for how they want to deploy the TED ideas and how they want to, you know, deploy the discussion-based resources that come with TED to activate, unearth, and advance ideas in their organization ultimately aligned with those business goals. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. What are some future trends that we should be paying attention to in the ed media space? Like you said at the beginning of this conversation, it's moving so quickly and the pandemic has accelerated a number of things. Uh, You know, just what you were just saying, managing people remotely is something that has changed a lot in the last year with the pandemic. But what are some future trends that we should be paying attention to in the ed media space? I would consider you an expert in the ed media space. Brian, yeah, that's it. Uh, it's a, and I, I, I would love to hear uh, other other folks' response to this uh, question and like get every, get all the responses together and see what people say. This is what comes to mind for me. So, back to the informal social learning piece, democratizing and scaling learning so that it's happening at all levels of the organization, I think is a, is a big one. The piece there that I find exciting is the multiple modalities that need to be included in that strategy. So this is not simply a, here's a course library build it and they will come model. Mm-hmm. This is, and a lot, and this is where L and D teams are now, right? Like everyone, I would say this, it's pretty ubiquitous that, um, and you see it in the, the workplace learning reports and other, you know, white papers that are coming out. It's that, you know, L and D teams more and more are being asked to kind of step into the shoes of a marketer and to think about how they're promoting ideas throughout the organization. So that, that piece is already understood. What I get excited about is, okay, so we have this amazing content how are we taking it 
from 2D to 3D, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? So how are we actually enabling people to consume in this kind of a blended learning approach, the video content, whether it's synchronously or asynchronously with the group discussion, and then actually bring that idea to life through group discussion where we're building on each other's ideas, where we're, you know, reflecting on how this idea can actually shape the way we work at the team level, and then eventually maybe even inspire potentially ideas for much larger shifts in the organization. And I think multiple modality learning that includes that video component, which could be self-directed, plus a discussion component where we're really exciting people and engaging people through that layer, in my mind, is where is where we're moving. Um, and it, it helps solve that problem of engagement around learning because people get, especially when you give them the tools to do this on their own, people become empowered and excited about actually kind of carrying the torch for learning and demonstrating to other people how they've been impacted by maybe a discussion or an idea. And that, you know, that creates a word of mouth, you know, uh, a word of mouth effect and a lot of it excitement and engagement. So I get really excited about uh, where it's headed. I agree. So TED at Work courses are available on OpenSesame, OpenSesame.com. That's been a tremendous partnership so far, hasn't it? It has been. We love working with the Open Sesame team and including their courses in the Open Sesame Plus uh, subscription library. And they also are a uh, an authorized reseller of the TED at Work full program. So um, we welcome all feedback and ideas and thoughts as people are for getting a first look at what this uh, program is. All right. Before I let you go, I'm going to throw the hardest question of the interview at you. Are you ready? Oh my. Yes. Go for it. Who is your favorite Sesame Street character? Oh my goodness. It is like choosing a favorite child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is a hard one, Brian. Okay, so many people don't know this, but the Sesame Street characters each represent kind of an idea. For example, like Elmo represents love. Abby represents curiosity. Oscar the Grouch represents honesty. And so I always gravitated towards Abby, the new fairy, because she loved learning. She loved curiosity. She represented that kind of ideal on the show and on the materials that I worked on. So I know maybe some people watching, if you don't have small kids who are Sesame fans, maybe don't know who Abby is because she's a newer character, but she's a really dear little uh, pink fairy who uh, loves to learn. So I identify with her. I love Abby. All right. So my favorite Sesame Street character of all time is Grover. He's so energetic. I mean, think of it. Super Grover. He's always bouncing around. So, well, I should ask you, what do you love about Grover? So one of my favorite books growing up was The Monster at the End of This Book. Do you remember that book? And, you know, Grover is like walking you through, oh, there's going to be a really scary monster at the end of the book. And, you know, he's trying to prevent you from getting to that last page. And then the monster at the end of the book is furry, old, lovable Grover himself. And he says, oh, you were so scared. And and it was just, it's very funny, but I've always loved Super Grover. And, uh, you know, I was a big Sesame Street fan growing up. So, uh, yeah, Grover, Grover has been my my character. Oh, I love that. And he just like, he's just timeless. He really is. I mean, it's like. Yeah, I think all the Sesame Street characters are timeless. That's one of the great things about that show. It is. It is. And, you know, some of them 
quite literally don't have ages because they just go on and on and on. I mean, that's the, the funny thing is like, you know, almost three and a half forever. Right, right. right. <laughs> don't we all wish we could be the same age forever at some times? Exactly. exactly. It's so funny. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us on Learning Unlock. Kayla Nalvin, the Director of Content Experience for TED at Work at TED. Learn more about TED at Work at tedatwork.ted.com. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks so much, Brian, for having me. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.